Hello and welcome to a brand new episode and a brand new season of the IT News Podcast. What does it take to set up the IT infrastructure at a zoo from scratch? It's not something that many IT managers will probably do, but it happened for our podcast guests this week, Sydney Zoo's senior IT manager, Ronan Alonso. Ronan shares the startup story of the zoo, its evolution from a one-person IT shop to the gradual build-up of resources and systems, and particularly how the zoo lent on technology partners to create innovative systems, from point-of-sale to telecommunications to accepting a wide variety of electronic payments. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. I wondered maybe if it's a good starting point to just talk about zoos, and specifically Sydney Zoo. I'm interested in how a zoo's needs are maybe the same or different from a regular IT shop. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. This is my first foray into the zoo world, and <laughs> I'm probably the best person to talk about my experience and how I dealt with what I experienced and some of the interesting things. I mean, the previous place I worked with was a restaurant business selling Mexican food. Let's call a burrito $10. You had to sell so many burritos to justify a business case to buy a server. Like that was a really tough environment. When you move to a zoo though, the product that we sell has changed from burritos to the customer experience, meeting animals, the education that they receive from those keeper talks. If you've purchased an animal encounter and actually get up close to these animals and pet them and feed them, that is what this business is trying to sell. It's more about creating and instilling that important element of humanity, which is to take care of our environment where we live and being aware of habitats and being aware of where animals have their involvement in the world. That to me really resonated with my life and the things that I believed in, things that I cared about, which is why I was like, wow, a job opening at the zoo, I'm putting my resume in there. So Fast forward to today, I now have about four years experience in the zoo world, so to speak. And how does IT play a role in that? It plays many roles in it, which is quite interesting. I mean, you have your basic elements of support. Emails don't work or they don't get sent. Laptops break every so often. Kind of the mundane things that happen, that doesn't go away. But a lot of the cohort are in the field. You have a lot of zookeepers tending to the animals in the habitats, feeding them, caring for them, watching their behavior, monitoring them, their needs, and ensuring that they are living the best life they can live in the habitat, mimicking things that they should be doing in the wild back in their habitat and their spaces. And they use elements of technology to help support that and cultivate that experience just for the animals. I guess our challenge as an organization is bringing that out to the guests that visit Sydney Zoo. How do we get them involved? How do we show them what we're aware of, what we're doing, and how do we create that experience for them when they're only at the zoo for a day? That's kind of the journey that I've tried to take, being tasked with the IT strategy for Sydney Zoo. And the strategy has always started from how do we make life easier for our staff to be able to do what they need to do to keep the animals happy and healthy, but at the same time, provide that experience that they need to provide to the guests that come into our facility. So how do I support that in the IT space is ultimately my challenge. But I guess you could say it's not corporate. <laughs> it's not a corporate world. We don't really need all the bells and whistles. We don't have the budget for that type of stuff and the focus is different. But I guess those are the key elements I would say and want to highlight are the differences in what we're trying to do at the zoo. It's kind of an educational institution, but there's an element of 
retail, hospitality, revenue-driven initiatives to help support all of this work. If people aren't walking through our doors, we aren't able to educate them and make them aware and actually pay for feeding these animals, etc. So it's that codependency on the profitability and on sustainability. You mentioned budget there. I think we should touch on this and I think touch on it more broadly with hearing about Sydney Zoo's startup story. It'd be good to hear, I guess, from your perspective, how you started and how the zoo has evolved in terms of its IT use and strategy. What I can say is I look back at when I first started and I'm laughing at it now, but when I first joined, I wasn't laughing at the time. So I joined back in February 2019. The zoo opened in December 2019. So I had only a few months to basically get all of the IT fundamentals in place to support a business that would grow to rapid maturity aggressively. So the budget essentially was my wage at the time. And they said, okay, you are IT. What do we need to do to get this place running? So a lot of the other head of departments tried to pick up some of the IT work and tried to engage other vendors to just get up and running. So when I first joined, I was employee number 34. So the other 33 employees at the time were running off Netgear 4G dongles. And there were maybe five or six spread out throughout the area. But at that time, we have three main buildings, the admissions building, the restaurant and the actual admin office. Some of those buildings were still being put up. It was literally concrete slabs, some shed walls up, and the roof was just closed, but there was nothing inside. So there were roaming employees. There was no internet. There was no copper cable in that area because the zoo was literally bushlands. It was a reserve. So they had to get the construction sorted first before people could actually work there. So before I came on board, they were working off-site. But when I joined the business, that admin office already had some space to put some desks and chairs in there. We needed to run cabling between the buildings. They wanted Wi-Fi everywhere to provide the public with internet to connect to. We were expecting internationals to come. They do look for free Wi-Fi wherever they go. So Telstra helped us out with some of their partners. We basically laid 36 core fiber into the ground. And the budget was essentially non-existent. As a startup, I think there's a bit of investment there, some capex fund to pull from, but the management team really had an educated guess on how much things would cost. So they were kind of playing it by ear, which was always a challenge. So you can imagine having to create a business case for every single spend. That was basically my life between February to December to get it up and running. But the team was amazing. It's fully collaborative. The challenges really mainly were with construction build and dependencies and all of those parallel works going on not to mention all of the animal transport coming in. And here I am on my own trying to make sure emails are working, trying to make sure that everyone's got decent reception on their phones, telling them where the best spots are. And anything that had electricity running through it kind of landed on my plate. So there's an AV element as well. We had to partner with vendors and kind of spread out cost over a couple of years. There were a lot of leases that were taken on board just for the sheer size of construction. There was just not enough capex to cover all the costs within a year. So a lot of those leases were set in play just so that we could actually get the 36 core fiber from one end of the zoo to the other end of the zoo. And now there's this intricate network of underground pathways, underground roads that our data travels through, which is pretty amazing. The 36 core splits down into smaller branches and we had to lay in access points along the pathways strategically to make sure there was enough coverage. But again, 
we didn't want to spend more than we needed. So there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of culling. And we lost a big chunk of the original plan for what access points laid around the zoo. We really wanted more to get that insight from the customer journeys and dwell times. But it ended up being, okay, how many do we need just to get internet out there? <laughs> so you can imagine just the sheer amount of work and excess costs that just came out because things happen and those are unavoidable. But it was definitely a challenging time, to say the least. When we opened in December 2019, I was still on my own. That was an even bigger challenge for me. I was managing and facilitating a lot of vendors at the time whilst managing and supporting the service desk to make sure everybody can do their job. So productivity was hit, but that was the ball that I had to drop given the finite resources. I kind of joke around and say I get PTSD thinking about what I was doing. I can remember waiting for a shipment from China of the metal enclosures that our POS touchscreens were going to be in, in the admissions building. So those were going to be self-service desks. So again, trying to save on labor. Why do you have to line up to speak to somebody to buy a ticket when you can just go to a kiosk, buy it yourself, make it dead easy for him, and then you can go straight in. So I remember that metal container arriving and I was literally screwing the bolts into it, putting it into place because everybody else was busy making sure everything was ready because we had to open the zoo by that date. Otherwise, we weren't going to open at all. So you mentioned the early days there. How did things evolve? So how did you expand the team out and expand the capabilities out? So while I was managing all of that and, and making sure that people can work, they're productive, things aren't breaking down, I had to still remain focused on the strategic element of the business. What do we need to do to move forward? What do we need to do to remain relevant? I mean, the zoo just opened up. So who are we to come in, open the zoo and say, come to us so we can teach you about our animals, we can make you aware. We didn't have that credibility yet. So in order to do that, we had to obviously lay the fundamentals down internally as a business, as the departments got together, build our teams to be able to add that substance to what we're trying to achieve collectively, which is our mission and vision. So the first strategy I put into play was I obviously couldn't do everything myself. I need more resourcing, whether that's outsourced or a new headcount. And I opted in for, okay, let's try before we buy. At that time, let's call the projects very volatile. Like everybody had their own idea on what to do. And it was my goal to say, okay, historically, this is what's worked. Historically, here are the basics that we need to focus on before we even get to that level. And what I implemented was a business intelligence strategy. At the time, I remember after grand opening, a lot of the teams were struggling with reporting. We had so many systems, everything was segmented, a lot of siloed teams, multiple CRMs, and one report said one thing, another said another. And when I deep dive into it, I realized that the finance team was still using Excel spreadsheets to run reports, which is fine at a certain level, but the number of people that were coming in from grand opening was amazing. And the response from the community was amazing and the support was there. And the hunger for data and insights was fierce. So I said, Excel is not going to cut it. What we need is a proper business intelligence system because we don't have a budget for that right now. What we can do is if I could just get a business case put together, if you can approve this headcount, let's bring in a contractor. Let's try before we buy and let's build a BI system. So that was my first headcount that I focused on. His name is Prashant. This guy's a genius. Call him a full stack developer, front end, back end. 
and he basically single-handedly implemented our BI system. So fast forward to today, we now have a Microsoft SQL managed instance in the cloud. We're a purely Microsoft ecosystem organization because it just works, everything is seamless, and you got the support and reliability of organization like Microsoft, and we're leveraging that. That became our data warehouse. It was set up in a way to further save costs. And we layered on top of that Azure analysis services. And then we layered on top of that Power BI. So in essence, we started sucking up all of the data from our POS system, which was the system that managed all of our admissions, our ticketing, our memberships, our food and beverage sales, our retail shop sales, and all of the forward bookings, et cetera. We started sucking that in in real time. And that was kind of step two. We've got a BI system now live. Step two was let's make SQL our source of truth. We'll start pumping in the data in there so that nobody questions the data. Everyone's looking at the same data set and everyone's looking at the same insights. When we did that, the insights started giving us more focused action items to build projects around. So that was a massive win for the organization. And that was definitely step one for us because we didn't know what products would really do well within the community. We didn't know what the community were after. We can compare price points with other organizations, but we're tackling a different demographic out here in our location compared to the other demographics. So there were a lot of factors at play and the best thing I could provide the management team was data. And data is only data on its own to turn it into insights. That's when Azure Analysis Services came in and started massaging and we started adding dimensions and fact tables and massaging it into consumable format so that the management team can slice and dice. Power BI just made it that easy to tackle that data, which is amazing. And up until today, they still use it. It's definitely become a monster, a good monster at that to what it was before. And it's continually just providing us with valuable insights to what we should be doing. That was the key piece to it. And then after that, as the business grew, I think the newest employee today is probably employee number 400 or something like that. So the cohort has grown quite a lot and two of us just still wasn't enough to support the day-to-day -day BAU tasks while keeping the lights on, ensuring the services and, and the servers on site and, and the switches are all up and running and operational. So enter headcount number two. I chose to opt in for an infrastructure, kind of a dual purpose role. No, it was an infrastructure and application administrator. So they were there to really start focusing on the POS element because the POS is Sydney Zoo's bread and butter. The POS is what sells tickets online on our e-commerce platform. The backend is the POS. The POS is our CRM data source of truth. The data is stored in there. The POS is also our inventory management system. When we receive lettuce and cheese for burgers and onions and chips and all of this is managed there. All our plush toys in retail, it's managed there. So I needed to ensure that the POS was taken care of from a maintainability standpoint, reliability and upgrades and patching and strategic development. So we've worked really closely with a POS vendor, Custom Link. They're a smaller firm, but they're really collaborative. And that's what I really foster in the vendors that I work with. If you aren't collaborative, you're not somebody I want to work with because you need a good team to deliver something successful and really amazing. Fast forward to today, the third headcount is an IT support analyst because again, we continue to grow. The business is growing. The teams have definitely expanded. There are more day-to-day -day problems. And the more projects that we deliver, the more products that we configure, the more products that we provide to our guests, 
the more issues we introduce. So we're just naturally growing at a rapid pace. It's kind of where yep. we are today. The important thing there, though, is that as you've grown in headcount, I assume that that evolution has allowed you to become more strategic. So you've been able to hand off some of the more operational aspects and to think more strategically about technology and the way it's used within the zoo environment. 100%. And that was the key factor for the business cases that I put forward to say, okay, there's more work coming in. I can't do both. Do you want me to focus on the day-to-days or do you want me to focus on propelling us further, allowing us to grow, etc.? So because of the team's growth, it's definitely helped me focus on the strategy. So a lot of key initiatives that we've already implemented to date is building on that business intelligence system. And we've had some really cool projects. I'm happy to share one. License plate analytics, we called it. So we have a security provider. They essentially record all of the cars coming in and out of the park. But they have this really cool feature with their product where they can take a snapshot of every single license plate that comes in and out of the park. So I said, okay, cool, throw that in. And if you could just save that in our Azure blob storage somewhere, then we'll take care of the rest. So strategically, that was kind of how I painted it. But internally, the benefit from that was phenomenal. So again, enter Prashant, a BI guru. I worked with him to build what we wanted to see on the dashboard. And essentially, those snapshots of license plates that come in and out of the zoo, they're being stored in the blob. They have a file name, got the license number, and you have the timestamp that they come in. That's all we needed to produce a bunch of dwell time insights, to produce frequency, to produce how many visits they've made at the zoo, to produce when was their last visit. Those types of insights we were able to produce from a file name. So it's just being smart about the data that you have and leveraging that and working with your vendors to keep costs low, where because you have this in-house resource to do all of the cool stuff, then that was an easy low-hanging fruit for me to do. So now we have insights as to you can make an assumption that each car consists of a family of two adults and two kids, and that's generally our demographic. And you can make calls on that when we start doing events, like a big event that passed back in May and June was GLOW. It's a light festival in Western Sydney. There aren't many light festivals in Western Sydney, so the zoo wanted to be one of the first to do it, even though it happens in the CBD. We wanted to bring that out to the Western Sydney families that obviously didn't have time to go out there or it was too expensive, etc. But the insights that we gained from that license plate analytics was to help support the car park. You know, if we were going to throw a few rides there, put an ice skating rink, obviously that's going to reduce the car park space, which is going to create impact to the social media comments that we're going to get, the wait times and people complaining about car spots. So it's just supporting the business really in the projects that they want, but being clever about it by spending less and doing more by being smart. So that was one of the cool projects that we did. Another one is working with Commonwealth Bank. We've launched a new product of theirs called Powerboard, which is truly amazing. The idea is basically you go onto any e-commerce site and you're paying for something and you're presented with a page that says, do you want to pay with Visa, MasterCard or Amex? So that's kind of your basic cookie cutter payment method. What CBA has done is taken it to the next level where they've chosen Sydney Zoo to actually pilot this and do a national launch with this and some other vendors because of the nature of what we do and the volume of guests that we have. And essentially what they've done is they have worked hard to integrate with all of these payment services. I'll name a few like PayPal, Afterpay, ZipPay, etc. And they've done the integration with them, with their product. 
And what they can now offer their customers is a single integration point with their product, which is PowerBoard. And that's all you have to pay for, essentially. That's all you have to spend your resources on. That's all you have to work hard to achieve to be able to tap into all those other payment services. Because once you've integrated with PowerBoard, then everything else is within the flick of a switch. You turn it on, away you go. You don't have to hold hands and sing Kumbaya again and spend another 20, 30, 40, 50K to integrate with each new payment service that you want. And that's a lot of time saved. So again, it's working smart, choosing the right partners and being nimble with what we're trying to do because at the end of the day, we've only been open for three years now and we're still trying to understand what our customers want and we're still trying to morph our product offerings to be the best that they can be, which means that we have to try things. Some will work, some won't work, but having this new partner and this new product PowerBoard, it's going to make us be able to turn things on or off whenever we want without incurring such heavy costs. So that's another project that I'm extremely happy about. And just choosing the right partners at the right time. Telstra was there to actually build the infrastructure, but now we're starting to choose partners where how do we take it to the next level? But Telstra is still there. I'm still cultivating those relationships because we don't know what's going to happen in year four or year five. So we just always have to keep our doors open, especially right now in this economic climate. What are we going to do right now? A lot of people are afraid to spend. A lot of families are struggling. What can we do to help them? So there are projects in the world to kind of help bridge that gap. And again, I can't do that on my own. I have a team now to help me with that and I also have partners to help me with that. That's what's fun about the journey at Sydney Zoo and in the zoo space. The interest from other vendors is there because they've never worked with a zoo before and they're kind of interested in how do we implement a payment gateway for a zoo? How does that resonate with them? So I guess you could say we're always at the forefront of development. It's definitely been a fun journey to say the least. That was Ronan Alonso from Sydney Zoo. And that's the podcast for this week. We'll be back with an exciting new interview next week. Until then, you can catch all the latest headlines in Australian IT over at itnews.com.au.